Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's episode of the show, I have another great interview for you guys. I got to sit down and chat with Olympic weightlifter and physical therapist Kelly Wild. If you guys are in the weightlifting community, chances are you follow CalStrength on YouTube like I do. I was seeing Kelly in a lot of their videos and started following her on Instagram. I was just really intrigued with her background. She's competed at three different sports at the highest possible level. She played Division I hockey at Ohio State, went to the CrossFit Games three times on a team, and is now one of the best 59 kilo lifters in the United States. Anytime I get the chance to pick the brain of a high level athlete, it's always a fun conversation to have. Oh, and I'll also mention that she's done all this while dealing with type 1 diabetes. So she was diagnosed at age 5. We got into what that was like, how it affected her athletic career, how it still affects her athletic career, and what she does to combat that during competition. We got into what's the easiest major to take in college. That was a, a funny tangent we went on. And just being in the Cal Strength environment, what it's like to be around great people. So anytime that you play a Division One sport, you go to the highest level of competition in CrossFit and you're at one of the best gyms in the United States, chances are you're going to learn a lot from the people you're around. So we got into what she's learned being around high-level athletes all the time. And yeah, it was just a fun conversation to have. Super glad that I got the chance to talk to Kelly, so let's send it over to the show now. All right, we are rolling this week on the podcast. I have another special guest with me, Kelly Wild. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I just wanted to hop right into your background, your athletic career. We were just talking a little bit about how you've been successful basically with everything you've done. So I wanted to start at the beginning, how you got into sports <laughs> and everything like that. Yeah, um, well, thank you for that intro. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see, I, well, I'm the youngest of five kids, and I guess my dad's side of the family is very athletic. My mom's side, not so much, but my dad definitely steered all of us towards athletics. So like my older sisters, they all did gymnastics from an early age. Um, and so I just was like following along. I was like, okay, so at age, I think, I don't know, five-ish, four, you know, started with gymnastics and then switched to, I'm actually kind of surprised that we were all in gymnastics because my dad's family is very hockey oriented. Like my, my grandpa, um, he was in the Olympics and he played for the Gophers uh, with hockey. And so it wasn't until I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was five turning six um, that they switched me to hockey. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, like I said, from a young age, we just were in sports all the time, probably to somewhat keep my mom sane and hand us off to someone else for a little bit. But yeah, year round, we were always doing something, hockey, soccer, gymnastics. My brother was, was a big golfer growing up. He still is a golfer. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we all got started. That's cool. So, so at age five, you're diagnosed with diabetes. What was that experience like? I 
honestly don't really remember a whole lot about it. Um, but my dad was a type one diabetic, um, from age. Well, he got it when he was about late twenties, 27 ish. So he, when I was diagnosed, he had already been a diabetic for many years. And then my mom's a nurse. So I think they probably dealt with it better than most people would. And they didn't, I don't think they saw it as this huge like life change, at least for the family as a whole. Um, and then for me, like I said, being age five, going on six, like I don't really remember life prior to having diabetes. So it's probably mm-hmm. a good thing, you know, cause I feel like people who get it later in life, it's this drastic life change that they have to kind of like work through. Whereas for me, I just like grew up with it. And so yeah. in that sense, it's at least easier now <laughs> for me because it's, you know, it's the, I don't know of life without diabetes. Mm-hmm. What was like your biggest challenge? Would you say when you're growing up playing sports, is there like, I do not know much about diabetes. So are you wearing a glucose monitor on the field, on the ice? How does that work? Yeah. So that would have been awesome. Um, had I had one back then, um, so I'm 30 now. So this is 25 years ago. I don't believe that there were any like continuous glucose monitors at the time. Pumps were just kind of like becoming a thing back then. Um, so ideally, I would have worn a continuous glucose monitor and that would have been very helpful, I think. Um, but like the hardest thing, I think, because I was in these like cardio based sports was dealing with um, low blood sugars. Cause as you do typically with, with cardio, um, your blood sugar will drop. And so running around on the soccer field for 90 minutes, you know, eventually it's going to go low. So I initially, I had like a couple scary lows, um, when I was younger. And so that like made me fear being low. So then I would say basically from like age eight ish up through high school, pretty much I would just let my blood sugar run really high to prevent being low. Um, Mm -hmm. But then when your blood sugar is high, you don't perform that well athletically. Like you're just so tired. Like it's, it's hard to like compare it to a non diabetic situation, but maybe kind of like if you're trying to play a sport and you're super hungover and it's just like you're lethargic and can't move and feel terrible. So I'm still kind of surprised that I did as well as I did with sports growing up at least because Mm -hmm. my blood sugar was very high for pretty much every athletic event I did. Yeah, that's interesting for people I guess like me growing up playing sports, it's literally, I didn't have to think like you just eat a hot dog before practice or whatever. And then like <laughs> yeah. after, you know, you have a soda and you're fine. Like you don't yeah. realize all the other things that, that people are going through. Right. So you moved on to, you played hockey at Ohio state. Yep. What was your experience like playing D one hockey? Um, it was awesome. I loved it. Like, like I said, growing up, 
everything I did was like school and sports. And it's like, that was my life. So mm-hmm. playing a division one sport, that's very much the same thing. Like you go to class and then you're at the rink for four or five hours and then you go home and go to bed. So like that transition was pretty easy for me. And I think that's the thing that people have the hardest time, like wrapping their brains around, like, like uh, the, the idea of getting a full ride scholarship to play a sport, people sometimes feel like that's not fair, but that's literally your entire life, like mm-hmm. in college. So it's like, there's no like drinking in the middle of the week or like doing weekend trips to wherever. Or it's like, you're, you're, that's your life, um, which I loved. Like I loved being at the rink all the time and school, you know, whatever. School's all right. But yeah, playing at Ohio State was awesome. It's a it's a really awesome environment to be a student athlete at Ohio State because it's like a Big Ten school. Then you kind of get like the SEC vibe on like football weekends, mm-hmm. and they're very supportive of their athletes. So I I'm yeah I'm happy that I went to Ohio State. So you do actually have to go to class if you're a D one athlete. <laughs> I I probably skipped a few 8 a.m classes here and there but yeah I I I went to class I did my own homework (laughs) all the yeah let's bring out all the stereotypes yeah right no I uh I wasn't a communications major or anything like that but I yeah I would say that the athletic advisors did try to push the athletes towards easier classes Mm -hmm. and I just did not so what'd you major advice I was a psych major um but I actually I basically was like a bio chem type of major because I took all the prerequisites for dental school um so it was a lot of chemistry biology biochem organic chemistry so I was in the lab quite a bit compared to my my uh, teammates. So, yeah. So, I, technically, I was a psych major, which okay. some could argue is a pretty easy major, too. But it was interesting. I, I, so. <laughs> I was a business major. So I, oh, okay. It doesn't get much easier than that. Like, I mean, I, I, was account- I was accounting, so that part was hard. But yeah. I... I double majored with business management and I think that was the biggest joke of a major of all time. Oh really? Okay. So any, any high schoolers listening, if you don't care about college, (laughs) just major in management. That's that's funny. I had, well, two things. I did not take a single econ course literally ever in high school or college and anything business related. I just, I couldn't, I literally did not take a single business related class and you talking about easy majors I had two roommates in college who were on the hockey team Mm -hmm. and they they majored in uh I think it was like sports and leisure studies Mm. (laughs) which meant that their classes were like they usually had to take some sort of like sport every semester so they were in like pickleball and then they're like in the history of football and I I like I hadn't even heard of that as a major so I don't know where if like an advisor told them about that but (laughs) 
I think they're both coaches now. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But yeah. I was like, I had never even heard of that. Didn't know that was a thing. So, sports and leisure studies at <laughs> Ohio State, <laughs> if you want another easy major. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're an athlete, though, that almost is a major in itself. Like, right. you're learning constantly, whether it was on the ice. I played baseball. And that's like, you're learning about life in both yeah. those sports. Like every shift for you or every at-bat for me is a learning experience. So I think regardless of what you major in, because I'm in the camp now. Like if, if I were to be 18 today, I don't think I would go to college. I think I would have started my own path a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely interesting to to talk about that stuff. But playing sports, I think, was a was a big factor that that I love too. Yeah. What would you do now if you were 18? Honestly, like that's a tough question, but I would probably <laughs> try to find somebody who is really successful in the podcast game or on YouTube and just be like, "Hey, I'll literally work for you for free for a year. Like just okay. show me show me how to do this stuff. I'll do whatever bitch work you need." and figure it out from there like I if I did that at 18 I would not be in the position I am like I needed to go through the corporate route and understand that I hate it but looking I mean it's so easy to say looking back on it but right are you an accountant then no I actually so I worked at a corporate job for like two years and I was miserable every single day of my life. Like, yeah, just going in, just wearing a collared shirt and <laughs> being on my best behavior. It was just not for me. So, okay. So what, wait, what do you do now then? So I work part time right now. And then okay. I've just been doing this, doing the podcast. So I started this in August and, okay. and just lifting. So awesome. pretty, pretty easy life right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard as an 18-year-old to know what you should do. Oh yeah, <laughs> or, for sure. or even like beyond that. Like I like I said I took all the prereqs for dental school and mm-hmm. so after college I went to dental school. Um and I just I did one year of it mm-hmm. and hated it. So I I switched and went the physical therapy route but just that one year of dental school alone was like 80 grand and so just just growing up my my dad's a dentist and my Mm -hmm. two older sisters are dentists I was I was just like I'll just be a dentist without ever like really exploring other avenues yeah and yeah so like just that one year of dental school. I like looking back, I'm like, I should have known that I wanted to do something different, more like sports oriented or like movement based, like physical therapy. Um, or even like being a trainer, like an athletic trainer, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll live and learn and Yeah, well at least it only took you one year. Like you, right. you could have went the whole the whole <laughs> way and then been like, oh shit, I don't want to do this. Honestly, even just because dental school is four years, just mm-hmm. putting in that one year because it's it's a it's challenging for sure. Like it's it's your life when you're in dental school, and even just doing that one year afterwards, when I was like debating if I should drop out or not, I was like, I've already put in a year 
it's like the longest year of my life but I was like I don't even know if I should switch now like I'm already in it like but I'm glad I did for sure I'm just paying the price now literally for that for that one year but yeah I'm glad I switched so after so after school you graduate and then you did you start CrossFit right away like how was that transition from hockey to CrossFit yeah so I I think I started pretty much right after my fourth year of college at Ohio State so my eligibility for hockey was up I did take a victory lap at Ohio State so yeah I picked up CrossFit pretty much right like this I think the summer after that fourth year of hockey um yeah, I, my, my friend's mom took me to my first CrossFit class and she thought I would enjoy it and she was right and just was addicted right from the get-go and um, yeah, I had a really, really awesome gym in Columbus where Ohio State is um, that had a ton of really good athletes. So I'm I definitely lucked out by being in that environment because they taught me so, so many of the skills and just like on the competition side, like they were, they were super, um, they were like veterans, even at that early eight or like 2013, 2014, like where CrossFit was still relatively new. Like they had already a lot of experience at like regionals and the games and things like that. So lucked out. CrossFit Grandview, shout out. Love that place. <laughs> shout out CrossFit Grandview. It, yep. That's in Columbus too? Yep. Sweet. So um, did you pick it up pretty fast? I mean, you're an athlete. You grew up playing sports. Were you, uh, you know, doing chest-to-bar pull-ups or handstand push-ups your first day? Um, the, I feel like I picked up some things pretty fast. Um the let's see, toes bar were really hard for me to like string those together. I remember, I remember stuff that I had challenges with where toes bar could not figure out that pattern for the longest time. Um, double unders were probably the hardest for me. Uh, that literally took probably like three months. I would, I would go to class, go to the, go to the gym, do whatever the CrossFit workout. Um, I was also playing ultimate Frisbee at the time for Ohio state. And then after all of that, I would then spend time at home, like practicing double unders. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, you know, I'd cherry pick workouts. And if there were double unders, it, I'd be like, no, I'm not going like this is rest day. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, it was when they told me that I, they basically were like, you have to be on our regionals team this year. And I still like didn't know how to do a ton of the skills. I was like, okay, to not embarrass myself in front of tons of people at my very first CrossFit competition, I need to learn all this stuff. So it was that fear of embarrassment and letting the team down that forced me to learn all those skills, which was great because like had that not ever, you know, been a driving force for me if I wasn't ever competing, you know, I probably still wouldn't know how to do double unders today. So it's either, it's like a sink or swim. That's, mm-hmm. That was the situation. So how long was it where you started CrossFit till you competed at your first regionals? Um, 
so it was probably like I think I started at Grandview in August or September maybe and then regionals were in oh my gosh the following spring okay so a little less than a year um yeah I don't know maybe like nine nine ish eight or nine months of CrossFit and then yeah regionals I guess you count the open before that as a competition but which is, in, which is insane for people listening. Like I remember, so I did my first open. I was like, it, this was 2018. So I played baseball kind of the same path as you. And I'm like, in 2018, I'm like, I'm, I'm good at CrossFit. Like, I'm <laughs> like I can do all these, all these skills. And I remember the first workout in the open, I got like 25,000th. And I was yeah. like, Oh, <laughs> like I am not good at this and then I remember there was like a clean workout that I did decent in and I was like I should just go to this gym now <laughs> like yeah I mean, like that was so humbling the the open so you go to you go to three CrossFit games um what's the experience like being on a team heading there training leading up to it yeah so leading up to the game like after leading up to regionals that's when it's super stressful and you're doing because they announced well this is pre all of like the changes that have happened yeah. recently so back when you had regionals in like your set area like we were in minnesota well in um ohio we were central east and then when i moved to minnesota we were north central and then the chain the first round of changes happened where it was just the central regional. So, and that was a specific date kind of encompassed the Midwest. So leading up to those, we were usually like the last region to compete. So we knew the workouts so far in advance. So literally mm -hmm. training was so stressful because you're, you're doing the same workouts over and over and over and over and over again. And like, you're trying to find like who works best with who, and it's just super stressful because it's like top five teams, you know, qualify. We have to be a top five team. We're in the best region, in my opinion, because um, we had all those teams from like, like Rich Froning's area, um, mm -hmm. kind of like a hotbed of good CrossFit or um, good CrossFit teams. So leading up to regionals, super stressful. Regionals itself, super stressful. And those workouts were all super short, super fast. It's like you can't mess up or you're screwed um and then training for the games once you qualify it's like okay this is this is fun like there's nothing else to qualify for after the games you're just mm -hmm. showing up to just see how you do and like i mean obviously we wanted to do very well but there's nothing else after that so it's like okay we're just gonna you know throw all these random workouts together um and we did a lot more like endurance type of workouts and we were out you know swimming and running outside and um and then like getting to the games you usually don't know many of the workouts so that's that's a little bit scary when you get there because it's like they like to introduce movements that are way more challenging mm -hmm. than your typical crossfit event and they like to introduce new movements and stuff so it's like oh god hopefully i can do this and not embarrass myself again in front of all these people and like the, everyone's watching on YouTube or however, but in general, or like the obstacle course, 
like that was kind of stressful um just because it's you know you have to prepare for the unknown and the unknowable so uh it really shows like who the real athletes are because they you know they can just pick up a movement and do it and you know go with the flow um the diabetes part of going to the games is a lot more stressful, I would say, than regionals. Because like I said, going into regionals, I was like, okay, I know this workout is happening at this time. It's a five-minute workout. And then two hours later, it's this workout. And that's like a 10-minute workout. Whereas with the games, they wouldn't even tell us all the workouts, even on that day or the day before. Mm-hmm. And so like trying to plan my long-acting insulin, which lasts for roughly 24 hours, on top of planning my short acting insulin which I you know do when I eat and like they wouldn't necessarily tell us what time workouts were happening so planning like eating and just knowing how much insulin to do um that is a lot more stressful for me personally when I was at the games um and then also at the games the workouts are significantly longer like we're doing team Murph which is like an hour plus we're doing these long swim events um so trying to manage my blood sugar through that, you know, hour was a little bit trickier than like other CrossFit competitions. But in general, I'm, you know, I'm super glad I did it. You know, anytime you are fearful about something, you should probably just do it. <laughs> That's yeah. how I got into weightlifting. I was scared of doing it. And my coach at the time, my CrossFit coach at the time was like, well, if you're afraid of it, you should probably do it. And I guess he was right. <laughs> so when did you switch over to weightlifting? I, I did a couple, I would do like one or two weightlifting competitions um, a year when I was doing CrossFit. I think my first weightlifting competition was like 2014 or 2015. Um, And then I made the switch to strictly do weightlifting. Um, It was after the 2017 CrossFit Games. So we did the, yeah, we, 2017, we did the CrossFit Games. I did one more competition, um, Granite Games. I think that was in like September or October. And then after that, I was done. So end of 2017. I believe is when yeah I hung it up with CrossFit was there anything that that led into that or it was just kind of a natural progression um I I had a lot of burnout from CrossFit at that point um it's hard just redlining every single day Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think (laughs) and I always liked the barbell movements over like the cardio CrossFit stuff. (laughs) Um, And I had a couple injuries that with CrossFit, I was like, I was not able to train the way I wanted to train with CrossFit and like recover and be able to do everything. So like my shoulder was really bad. My hip was really bad. So even leading up to the 2017 games, I was not able to train as much as I wanted to leading up to it. So that just like that feeling of not being as prepared as you wanted, as you want to be. Um, that was super frustrating for me. And I remember I like, 
there was a point leading up to the 2017 games where my shoulder was hurting so bad all the time. Like I couldn't even like sleep at night. It would just ache and ache. And I was like, okay, this is driving me nuts. So yeah, after that, it was, it was mostly the burnout and the injury, um, injury side of things that made me switch to weightlifting. I think with the burnout too, we, since CrossFit's still relatively new as a sport, like it's not, it's not like football or baseball where it's been around a hundred years and it's probably 10 times well, football is really hard on the body and you see those guys don't last very long. So we haven't seen those, the high end CrossFitters, you know, compete for 15, 20 years or what their life looks like after that, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and I think people often like peg CrossFit as the culprit for all of these injuries. Whereas I would say it's not CrossFit itself that is bad for you, but so people start CrossFit typically when they're older. And so you're coming into CrossFit with all of these like movement restrictions. It's like you work at a desk job or whatever. So you're sitting eight hours a day, hips are so tight. It's like, you're trying to do these movements with all of these pre-existing like injuries and restrictions. And then it's like, you're trying to do like a full snatch where you need all this mobility, all this stability. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that that is more of the issue is that people in general, as you get older, you know, you've gone through all these different injuries and certain things tighten up and people in general, as you age, you you lose, you know, um, muscle flexibility and things like that. So I think that is more of the issue than like CrossFit itself. Yeah. And I think any sport you're kind of, you're sacrificing like you're, um, yeah. CrossFit for health and CrossFit for sport are two completely different things. That's I very talked true. about that on a podcast with, um, with my buddy, Max, who owns a gym and he's training to be competitive in CrossFit, but his gym is entirely different from his training. They do nothing that he does. Yeah. He has to, he has to tell members like, look, you don't need to do ring muscle ups. What's the point of you doing <laughs> yeah. muscle ups or doing handstand pushups where, you know, you're stiff at work for three days after that. Like, until we've built up the strength to do those things, we're not even going to come close to doing stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's where same, same with, uh, with weightlifting, like you need a lot of mobility for weightlifting where with people are working a desk job all day and then want to come in and just go right to the, right to the lifts, you know, it's same thing. So as a physical therapist, um, did you, notice like movement patterns in CrossFit where you like, oh, I, I shouldn't be doing this movement or, <laughs> or, you know, seeing teammates. Is that something that you watched out for? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, initially, cause I started CrossFit before I was in PT school, but I was in the thick of my competitive CrossFit career while I was going through physical therapy. So it was interesting how like my mindset changed a little bit and how I did start to notice certain things and it's like you notice even just a a normal person or a a regular crossfitter can watch someone move and be like yeah something's wrong there but as 
you develop like your physical therapy mindset, you're like, oh, that movement is wrong for the X, Y, Z reasons. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of like put it together like that. Like, oh, you should work on this so that, you know, you move better. It's like, if you've got a knee problem, it's not, it's most likely not an issue at the knee. It's probably an issue at your ankle or your hip. Like you can, you start to like connect the dots and kind of understand how the body works as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was probably good. I wish <laughs> I picked up my own issues earlier than when, <laughs> you know, things just started to hurt, but you know, hindsight 2020. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're training at Cal strength now. Yes. Everyone, like I, I live in Pennsylvania, but I do watch the YouTube all the time. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of funny interacting with you because I'm like, oh, I've already seen you on YouTube. What's, what's the environment like there? It seems super competitive. It seems super high energy all the time. What's it like training there? Yeah, it is definitely, uh, definitely competitive. Um, usually high energy for sure, especially like I feel like a lot of the YouTube that's put out is taken from like Friday night training, which is usually like our max out or our heavy, our heavy, heaviest session of the week. Um, and of course it's Friday. So we're all excited about <laughs> the weekend, but uh, in general, yeah, super, super competitive, um, lots of good energy. And then just even from the weightlifters themselves, but then you've got like, high school football kids coming in, college football kids coming in, um, and they bring great energy too. And then you get like um, the NFL guys who come in on the off season. And so everyone's just like trying to impress everyone. Um, but then there's a lot of good like camaraderie. And it's nice because even though it's weightlifting is an individual sport, like we have a team at Cal Strength. And so you don't quite feel like, you're alone going through these, these training cycles. And that's kind of why I came moved from Minnesota to Cal strength or to Mm -hmm. California to train at Cal strength. Because when I switched from being on a team with CrossFit to just weightlifting, it's like, I was lifting by myself and it's like, you probably know, like trying to max out by yourself is, uh, it's rough for sure. So I, when I first got to Cal strength, I was hitting this, PR after PR every, every Friday. And it was awesome. And it's like, I wasn't any stronger than I was in Minnesota, but it was just like the environment just makes you step your game up and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So how important do you think that is? Like, so you've, you've played D1 hockey, you competed at the highest level of CrossFit. How important is that atmosphere to be around? I mean, you touch on it a little bit, but what does that mean to you when you walk into the gym and there's, there's high energy or you see your teammates getting after it, like that pushes you a lot more, you think? Oh yeah, definitely. And especially because, um, my training largely happens after I've already worked a full day. So it's like, I come in and I'm just like, I'm tired already, but then being around the team, they just like, they bring your energy up and yeah, it's just, it's so helpful to, to be around that. And then to also, even just from like a technical standpoint to watch, you know, like watch Chevy snatch. It's like his snatch is amazing. So it's like, 
just seeing that repetition over and over again, it's like, oh, okay, how can I even just take like a tiny bit of that lift and incorporate it into what I'm doing or like watching Wes clean and jerk. It's like just seeing that movement pattern on a daily basis is super helpful for at least what I'm trying to do and trying to pick up. Um, so in a lot of ways, yeah, being, being not even just in a team atmosphere, but being around these like elite, elite athletes, um, is super helpful. Yeah. I've been, so I've had two different gyms and the first gym I was at was super competitive. It was like, you didn't really talk to anybody. It was just like, <laughs> that, that atmosphere was like, and at the time it was like right when I got into weightlifting. So I was not very good. Most of the girls there were snatching more than me. So the <laughs> yeah. whole time I'm thinking like, I can't miss a snatch because Kristen over here just snatches for a triple. And then now I'm at like a more laid back gym. So I'm interested to see how it kind of, kind of pans out in my progression because I've seen a lot better with the, the more laid back atmosphere. Like I, I haven't mm-hmm. been as strong as I've like if I were to go back now to the other gym, I think I, my numbers probably would have gone up a little bit faster, but it's just different to hear everyone's kind of training, training atmosphere because yeah. so many different, I, I guess like gyms have, you have, you have a feeling when you walk in, like when I walk into my gym, it's kind of just like good vibes. Everyone, there's not a lot of people who are competing at the national level. Mm-hmm. which sometimes like bums me out a little bit because I want, I want to be pushed, but also I feel like I can kind of get my programming done and I'm not like looking at somebody else, you know? Yeah. So I think both, I think both ways are definitely beneficial, but yeah, from what I see on the YouTube and I understand like what, what's on the YouTube isn't always what's happening. day. <laughs> yeah. We usually, give you guys the best you don't <laughs> see the the fighting and the yelling and <laughs> the, the drama well you see some drama but yeah no that's, that's a good point it's it kind of depends I feel like on your attitude and what you want to get out of that gym environment and what what environment you train best in and mm-hmm. yeah like you said some people are better where it's like you're the best person and everyone's kind of like just a more chill you know atmosphere whereas for me I'm I don't know super competitive and I want to see people who are better than me and then me just try to chase them down and (laughs) I don't know to my Westchester homies I didn't say I'm the best person at the gym so I said it (laughs) I said it (laughs) yeah yeah but I think um long term it it just shapes different for everybody like yeah baseball is a team so i played baseball in college and it's it's a team sport but a lot of it is individual based like right. how much did you hit off the tee how much did you train in the gym so i'm used to that where i'm like internally motivated but i do it's cool that we we all do have like your you the cal strength youtube channel and like Instagram, you have hook grip and you see other people and start to take some stuff away from them. Yeah, definitely. So what's your uh, plans for weightlifting going forward? Uh, well, hopefully 
competing again soon. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. Corona. I I had planned on competing at nationals as a 59. Um, that would have been like next next weekend, I think. So that obviously got postponed until um, December with AO mm-hmm. finals. Um, so uh, basically, I want to be a top 59 in the country and then hopefully if that happens um make like a pan am team Mm -hmm. or team usa i think that would be the ultimate goal but you know dropping dropping a weight class and then coming back from shoulder surgery it's still still trying to figure out what are realistic expectations and then Mm -hmm. i'm also 30 years old <laughs> whereas typically your strength starts to go down after like mid to late 20s but i i don't know we'll see i um i definitely want to be on the podium at least for um nationals and ao finals um in december of this year and yeah i don't know i guess it'll be interesting to see how my training goes leading up to that and then because then I'll be well over a year out of surgery and can't use that as an excuse anymore for why I'm not lifting what I was lifting before um so yeah definitely top I want to be a top uh top three Mm -hmm. at least as a 59 in in the U.S. and then I don't know maybe next year shoot for a Pan Am spot if I'm if everything's functioning and shoulders and hips and everything are holding up. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, what was I going to say? But yeah, with the, so with the coronavirus, I feel like I, I just like hate talking about it. Cause it's like every podcast I listen to, it's like <laughs> topic, but what have you changed during this whole time? Like, is there anything that you've added to your routine every day where you've been, you've been happy about like positive change that you've seen? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Because prior to Corona, I was working 40 hours a week and only getting five training sessions in a week. So now that I'm largely not working, um, you know, I do a couple telehealth appointments a week. Um, But so now I have all this free time. So I've been doing eight or nine sessions a week now, just in my garage, which, you know, sacrificing the training environment, but uh, of Cal strength for lifting by myself and my not great garage gym. Um, But just having the time to like work on mobility, um, really warm up well. And then, like I said, getting all these extra repetitions in with, you know, almost double the training sessions has been, I think really helpful. Um, it feels like like I, I the last couple of weeks I've hit some post op PRs on clean and jerk and some snatch variations. So despite you know not being in a great environment for training right now, like I'm I think I'm getting stronger. So I, I'm taking advantage of all the extra free time I have for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I think everybody, especially in the weightlifting community I've seen has been just resilient in general like people 
I saw yeah. one of my buddies was doing block snatches. He had like two folding chairs as his blocks. Oh God. <laughs> what? And then another kid was doing front squats and he had both his trash cans were the racks. Like he was taking. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's so cool <laughs> to see, like it's, it's motivating. Cause like I'll have a bad day here and there in the garage and I'm like, Oh, this sucks. This is a waste of time. And then you see yeah. people, people like yourself, but like on Instagram, just, just not worrying about the condition, just getting the work done. Yeah. Thinking about what you can do to get better during this time. Yeah. I love the uh, innovation that I've seen both on the successful side and then all of the like home gym fails that you see. Yeah. I shouldn't, I really shouldn't complain about my setup because I I've got a squat rack and bumper plates and you know, pads that I can drop weights on. So I think I'm, I'm actually better off than most people, so I should not complain about my setup. Yeah, I think either either way, it's been like a every day is kind of like a roller coaster. You know, some days the barbell is rolling in the garage, and some days your feet are off balance. But it's what can you do during this time? You know, yeah. it'll only make us better. And then going back to the gym will be like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I can't wait to, so like in mine, I have, I have like gymnastics mats to drop the weights on. But mm-hmm. As soon as I drop it, they rebound like two feet in the air. So I have oh. to like drop it and then catch it and make sure it doesn't go through the wall. So oh my God. It's, it's, it's just like funny. <laughs> like what can you do besides laugh? Like when it happens, like you see yeah. those fails. Well, where can people find you? Um, I feel like I'm most active on instagram i think my instagram is at kelly wild eight um i've got a facebook page i think it's kelly wild bpt i think i should know these things (laughs) um and then i actually started a blog because i'm 30 and i did it during quarantine and (laughs) I've got, like I said, free time. So I was like, I don't know. This is what you do when you're 30 years old, apparently. So that's um, that's type1athlete.com. So it's like fitness, nutrition, athletics, diabetes. I kind of touch on all those things. And so I've got some, I think, well, I've gotten good feedback on the blog posts. I'm not an expert writer by any means, but it's been kind of fun to do that. So that's, yeah, that's type one athlete.com. Uh, I, I guess that's well, and I guess I have a mobility class too. If you want to interact with me there while we're like stretching and moving. So that, that is through, well, the link in my bio is probably the best way to find that from Instagram, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, I'll get all those linked up in the show notes. Uh, Thank you so much for your time today. This was a blast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Once again, thanks so much to Kelly for coming on the show. Make sure again to follow her blog, type1athlete.com and her on Instagram at kellywild8. I always link the guest information in the show notes so you can head there as well as my Instagram at angelo underscore kelly1 and at Better Than Yesterday Pod. That's where I release the episode so you guys can find out who's on the show, what stuff I have coming up, and everything like that. If you guys did like the episode, if you liked the show, 
Make sure to give it a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you could leave a review, something you liked about the show, that would seriously mean the world to me. That helps me reach new people when uh, someone new is clicking on the podcast. If they see those good reviews, that would help out to help them click on the show. I love getting guests like Kelly on, and the more feedback I get, the more I can do these interviews and keep up with this stuff. So I just appreciate you guys tuning in once again this week and be on the lookout for another episode coming next Monday. I will talk to you guys later.